0: Your presentation welcome back to another untitled movie review i am one of your hosts matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes but he is tomato meter approved eric marchin
1: today's show we have the bat the cat and the mat
0: <laughs> oh yeah today we are reviewing multiple mats um yes. today we are reviewing Matt Reeves The Batman, Eric, one of our most anticipated movies of the year. It it did appear on the official untitled uh 22 of 2022. Um we're both huge Batman fans. Uh you have a Batman tattoo. Uh we've talked about Batman countless times uh as I think it is both of our at least one of our favorite Superheroes since we were kids. Um, that and Spider-Man. You know, even in our Spider-Man review and the lead up to No Way Home, we talked about the similarities between those two franchises and and just how important those two characters are. Uh, yeah. We are now on our. I don't need, I can't even. I lost count of how many different Batman we've had and how many times it's been rebooted. But we are here again uh, at the beginning. A new Batman franchise and Matt Reeves is at the helm. It stars. Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, Peter Sarsgaard, Andy Serkis, Colin Farrell, and many, many more cinematography by Greg Frazier. It will be released on March the 4th uh, with early screenings, I believe, on I think even as early as March 1st in the US and IMAX and then March 2nd here in Canada and IMAX. So um, people are going to be able to see it very, very soon. We saw an early screening, Eric. Yep. Um This will be completely spoiler-free. I just want everyone, or as spoiler-free as we possibly can. So anything that's shown up in trailers, you know, light bits and pieces of the plot, but we're not going to give away anything huge um, that happened in the movie or anything like that. We will keep our thoughts brief, and then Eric and I will be back for a spoiler cast on the main feed where we go kind of in detail about everything that happened in the movie. So we're going to try to keep this, you know, I say 20, 25 minutes. It'll probably go longer. Who am I It'll probably be three um, days
1: long. Let's just be real. Yeah. Uh,
0: because we got a lot to talk about. But this will be completely spoiler-free. So I just want everyone uh to Or know should that. I say and real? Because uh, the mayor's name Real. And then uh Wednesday or Thursday, you'll find a spoiler cast on the main feed. Anyways, Eric. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to you man you want I mean it's Batman I don't know how much like plot synopsis we have to give but you go for it
1: I mean yeah you could literally call this Batman begins again and sure. this time around you know you have Matt Reeves, who you've talked about recently on the regular show, having rewatched uh, the the Planet of the Apes trilogy from the 2000s, um, not the Tim Burton remake, but uh, Rise, Dawn and War. And two of those were directed by Matt Reeves, who's also directed films like Let Me In and Cloverfield and um, is kind of known as, uh, you know, kind of like a little bit like J.J. Abrams, where he is sort of a company man but also has an artistic flair and kind of brings his own style when it was announced that he was going to helm uh the batman it kind of came at a time when the Zack snyder verse was crumbling and ben affleck was still attached to star and potentially direct a version of the batman with him kind of doing almost like a what he was describing a a, a rogues gallery arkham asylum kind of movie where multiple villains would be uh shown throughout and kind of establishing the world that was already built that never came to pass and with matt reeves his approach is leaning very heavily into the film noir canon of the 1930s and 40s and specifically with uh you know the rain the sort of dark undertones obviously batman is a darker character so it kind of fits nicely uh you have a voiceover narrative throughout that robert pattinson delivers in kind of an unaffected affectation um, that will you know remind some people of even something like you know harrison ford's voiceover in blade runner um then you have you know the Caped Crusader early in his days um, patrolling like Gotham. Two, right? Yeah, because they keep talking about like you know you're introduced to him. He's he's kind of he's well known enough where criminals are fearing running into him on the city streets at night and corners and dark alleys and things like that. But at the same time, he also establishes that he can't be everywhere at once and that you know part of what makes the character such a symbol in this version is that he is striking fear in the hearts of all types of criminals, whether it be somebody, you know, spray painting, you know, a a bank or, you know, stealing from uh, a a mini market or things like that. And then, you know, more horrible stuff where like you have a a gang that's in the trailer um, sort of ambushing one person. Uh, Essentially what this movie is, though, is a kind of crime thriller puzzle box that has batman pitted against the riddler played by paul dano in solving his um series of grisly sort of left uh puzzle pieces which have um corrupt cops and dirty da's at the center and this whole sort of mayoral uh, candidacy kind of thing that's kind of into play again trying to touch lightly on uh, what the story is as a whole, but essentially Mm -hmm. what you have is Batman going from one sort of uh puzzle box or mystery to another and unlocking certain aspects while he's also introduced to multiple characters Mm -hmm. that you'll recognize from other batman movies and other batman comics that is kind of building this new more street-centric version of batman even less um tech oriented than the christopher nolan films i think it at times is even more grounded uh, than christopher nolan's movies but it does still have a little bit of that kind of you know down and dirty kind of vibe to it but instead of being you know like the inspiration from michael mann movies specifically like heat it is kind of you know playing with movies like chinatown and a lot mm-hmm. of like even double identity and, and things like that sure. where you know you have this character who's known as the a detective
0: detective yeah
1: playing the role of detective and also there's mm-hmm. um you know a, a commentary about anti-capitalism and yep. a social commentary on even where we are now a lot of people will probably talk about sort of you know the the uprising in the u.s recently and incels and all that how it can even of here in canada
0: in. with the occupation in in ottawa recently too there's there's some of that in there um Yeah, man. Um, I'll I'll kick it off. I mean, it it, it, we're in an interesting spot with Batman because we haven't had a solo Batman movie for what almost a decade, right? We had yeah, Dark Knight Rises twenty twelve, right? Yeah, wild. But um, sorry, I ate a a third of a pizza before I started this, so I got. (laughs) But sadly, it was not a calzone. It was not a Little Caesars pizza, uh, which, shout out, does appear in the movie. That's not a spoiler, but it's not as egregious as Uncharted when there's not a whole set piece In a Little Caesars, like Eric and I joked about, it's just on a billboard. But Little Caesars, confirmed, does uh, exist in Gotham. Now, do you think Um, Matt
1: Reeves, you know, signed off on that because it is
0: called Little Caesars, you know, paying tribute to That's exactly what I thought, too. Yeah, Caesar from uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, I really, really, really uh, like this movie. Um, After sleeping on it and thinking about it more... um, and you'll you'll see in my voice and how I said that there, I I'm not necessarily saying that I'm in love with it, and I don't want to come across a, as negative at all because I just feel like after watching both of Matt Reeves' Apes movies recently, um, I just think both of those movies are are near perfect in the you know blockbuster adventure kind of genre, but each being their own kind of different thing. That um, I think this movie is very good, and I can't wait to see it again um but i do think that it is jam packed uh to the point of almost there being too much in the movie um i there's here things to nitpick but what i really really loved about it was that it just felt like a really good arc of detective comics and i feel like that's something yeah i mean you put it perfectly eric in your description but like that's something that we haven't really gotten a lot of in the other batman movies or even in the show uh like the 60s batman show which is completely different. Well, but, the 60s batman um, show I think is actually he, the he's closest. Mo- yeah, sure. But it's him more so just like aha and just like not really solving anything rather than just saying he solved it and telling the audience what happened. But right. that being said, uh I love detective comics. I like a more kind of uh grounded batman story. I don't like batman stories that get too crazy and and, and involve some kind of the more super superhuman element of the DC uh universe Nipples i pulls like kind of uh, <laughs> yeah um so it was just kind of nice to see like a weirdly uh methodical and slower paced kind of batman movie and um i don't know i i just i really liked it i've been thinking about it a lot um i think the cast is phenomenal just for like quick thoughts like i think robert pattinson is a great batman we don't get a lot of him as bruce wayne but i kind of like his moody kind of you know it's still pretty fresh in his head of what happened to his parents i like they take the spider-man mcu route and just they talk about it but they don't need to show you martha and thomas getting shot even though they play a
1: pivotal role in the story
0: absolutely which they always do and and they have to um i i know we'll talk about this more but i really like paul dano as the riddler um it reminded me a lot of the scott snyder detective comics arc when uh, dick grayson is batman and uh james gordon's son is a serial killer and it's the same kind of style of glasses and just the way that that arc plays out with james jr i think you can see that matt reeves took a little bit of that um into this uh for this version of the riddler i thought each riddle was engaging each murder was cool uh, it's weird to say a murder is cool, but like each way, murder is cool. Yeah, but like the way that you know each you know clue is set up and and Batman trying to figure it out, I thought was really really interesting. I, I thought Jeff, Jeffrey Wright was a great uh uh commissioner or he's not a commissioner uh uh, captain gordon in this what what would he be like a sergeant police captain sergeant or something like that anyways james gordon uh jeffrey wright is fantastic um i think it's something we both agreed on after the movie john toturo as uh carmine falcone is, is fantastic in uh but probably when you're looking at everyone in this movie like it is a it is a more grounded like street level Batman like you're saying, but I felt like it still felt very comic booky and I know those things like don't necessarily they're like work together, but like it is over the top and it is very comic booky and it feels like it's leaping off of a page of like a modern gritty DC comic. Um so you get these kind of very, you know, a, like flamboyant but not in the, you know, Schumacher way or even in the Nolan way. Um, like with the Riddler, he's, he's a lot it, like, and at times it's like, it's like, wow, I did not think that this character would be this animated or things like that. And he's and basically jigsaw in this. Um, y- yes. Which th- that's maybe why I like it, Eric. Um, and then, uh, where someone like even Colin Farrell is the penguin is very bombastic in a, in a big presence as well, or Taturo is a little bit more subdued. Um, but he's fantastic as well. And I just liked, you know, the pacing of the movie is, interesting because it's like I think when people go into a Batman movie we've just come to expect that it's going to be like filled with action and this movie don't get me wrong has a lot of action and the action is exciting Um, but it is way more methodical and slower paced and focuses on the mystery and Batman working with uh, Jim Gordon and Batman working with Catwoman trying to figure this stuff out uh, that I thought was um, really really interesting and and that's one thing I've liked about you know keeping these batman movies fresh is that like each filmmaker who comes in i feel like for better or for worse puts their stamp on the character and each version of batman has felt completely different like i think the keaton batman even returns to batman 89 feels completely different to an extent um even though it still feels very you know tim burton and in that world um uh it gets a little bit more flamboyant and, and comic booky in that second one Even i would well. say that I mean, that
1: is the most comic booky in terms totally, of i agree that original collection like the schumacher movies are very flamboyant and they're cartoony
0: the i would say not comic booky the, but uh, the schumacher one
1: but batman returns i think is the is is even more tim burton specific than batman 89 like uh, like yeah. batman 89 has its elements where it's like, oh, okay, like he's using animation in an interesting way. You know, it is mm-hmm. it is gothic at times, but it feels like Batman Returns was the movie where he kind of jumped off and did truly his own thing to the point where oh, totally. it alienated yeah. a lot of
0: people. Oh, and, and that don't get me wrong. And that's why I think each iteration of Batman has been so interesting. Like the Schumacher Batmans aren't good, but they're fascinating to look at as kids movies and live action cartoons. And then you go into the Nolan trilogy and I feel like, that will this will bring a lot of comparisons to the Nolan movies, obviously because they're both trying to do the more grounded kind of, you know, adult Batman kind of story. and I feel like that's not necessarily fair to this movie because I feel like they each can live on their own and and it is kind of comparing apples to oranges, even though it's the same character. like I feel like they are doing completely different things in my opinion where I, I do think that. There's nothing in this movie that I think hits the highs of some of of like each Nolan movie. Like there's just a scale that Chris Nolan has that I feel like is unmatched that Matt Reeves isn't necessarily trying to even hit because again he's trying to do something completely different. Um, but I think that this is a wonderful setup uh, with tons of fantastic world building. Um, and I just can't wait to see where it goes next like uh, and I can't wait to see it again um so i think that's very telling but eric i'll let you go because we'll get more into it but those are my kind of uh quick thoughts on on the movie
1: yeah i'm pretty much in the same bat cave as you when it comes to i don't even want to say enjoyed it because it's not a it's not that's another thing where i not a fun movie no i think that that is going to be something similar to batman returns where you're going to get a lot of people going into this thinking they're going to get you know pure entertainment and they're going to be sitting there for nearly three hours watching this densely constructed almost a season's worth of plot within this sort of detective tale um going on and i think that that is the flaw of the movie because it's so ambitious for what it is taking on and you can appreciate that from even like i don't know if matt reeves is, a, is a, a video game guy but we've been talking a lot about this as well recently with uncharted and even resident evil welcome to raccoon city like this does almost feel like you could easily adapt this narrative and as a batman video game like the way that like there are certain aspects of you know batman decrypting certain um clues that are left or riddles that are left and and how the he arkham does games
0: them. are very much like this the arkham batman games that came out uh, a few years ago yeah and and have these kind of detective moments
1: and that's where i think like it's it's strongest but it also the weakness of that is that there are so many moving parts in the script by matt reeves and peter craig who uh peter craig adapted uh ben affleck's uh the town um that it's like, okay, well, we have to, you know, take this component that we've, you know, focused on the stuff with, you know, John Turturro's Carmine Falcone, and we have to put that to aside a for a little bit, then we have all this stuff with, you know... Uh, zoe kravitz's uh cat woman that we have to kind of develop for a little bit there with the police procedural element and sort of like her becoming his eyes and ears to the criminal underworld which kind of also reminded me a little bit in one sequence um in in this movie of a scene in uh no time to die with how that kind of plays out a little bit with how audio is used specifically yeah um and then it's like okay well then we're going to move that you know, uh, to the side a little bit. And then we're going to also have this stuff with, you know, this mayoral campaign that's going on. And, you know, again, we're going to move that to the side and then all the stuff with, you know, Bruce and Alfred, uh, Alfred being played by, uh, Andy circus, um, who Caesar himself. Yes. And and I think that relationship is one of the more interesting components here because unlike previous versions, there's always Michael goth and, and, uh, Michael Caine, there was always a warmth to them, even though they were still stern sort of um, parental figures in, in, and Bruce's life. But here you get a sense that the last couple of years, there has been quite a bit of friction between both Alfred and, and Bruce. And that kind of wears nicely on uh, Andy Serkis and, and how he kind of, you know, conveys a reluctance in sort of going along with this more than, the Alfreds before who kind of almost are just there to you know stitch him up or you know make sure he, he eats every now and then where like you see this version of alfred kind of like basically saying you know okay there's enough here to intrigue me to to keep going along but you gotta you know you know, pop your head out every once in a while. Like you're you're tarnishing, you know, the the, yeah. the Wayne
0: name. The Bruce and, Wayne side of things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that I think is 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 fascinating. But if this You don't get a lot of that though. No, you don't. But the stuff when you do, it is interesting. And again, yeah. it it sometimes gets kind of shuffled around when you're having all these mechanics in the script kind of going back and forth to certain things and unlocking certain plot uh, revelations that will then Sort of lead into the next thing Which also is again very video game esque, where it's like okay you need this key In order to unlock this door And once you know they find it They go back to it and it's even the Characters the way that you know they come In and out of the of the film You know it's it mm-hmm. is Batman's story For the most part but when you're Kind of getting used to you know A subplot that you like It's then again sort of tucked away to the side for a little bit and with being three hours long you do feel it like this like the nolan movies especially the dark knight move at a pace where you know the set pieces complements mm-hmm. a lot of the verbose dialogue and a lot of kind of you know the the classic world building that you need to accompany these movies where Matt Reeves, the Batman, has, as you mentioned, a lot of really wonderful sort of thought out practical in-camera effects and uh, action sequences and set pieces, but there's nothing that necessarily stands out the way that, you know, like a truck flipping in the middle of Gotham does in the Dark Knight or even you know it, it, it's been criticized but you know like you do remember in Batman Begins with you know the the final kind of monorail train sequence as well or
0: even the training sequence with Ra's al Ghul and stuff like
1: yeah that or too. or the, the opening sequence in in the Dark Knight Rises with Bane like those scenes kind of stick out when you're when you're talking about that with this there's not one kind of moment that kind of feels defined by like oh okay like this is a, a great scene that will kind of like be the the one that people remember in this movie. The thing that people are going to remember is that it's it's bogged down in procedural elements, in that you know, again, it's it's Batman brooding his way through you know this case and kind of un you know. It is the
0: most emo Batman we've yeah
1: uncovering this, the sure. truth. I mean, Matt Reeves has said that he's kind of. Based yeah. this Batman on Kirk Cobain, which that is also an interesting thing because you have uh, Michael Giacchino uh, composing the score, and the score is essentially. Uh, three pieces that are recycled over and over again The Batman theme, Catwoman's theme, Riddler's, Riddler's theme. theme And then yeah. you have Something in the Way by Nirvana Which has been kind of, again, you know uh, In the trailers of, and... and altered a little bit to kind of make mm-hmm. it more slower And kind of moody and melancholy And, and, and kind of fit in tone And then you also have Ava Maria as well And those are the songs that consistently just rotate It's almost like somebody like like a teenager like the first time discovering you know nirvana but also kind of like creating a mixtape and like their five favorite songs are these songs and listening
0: to them and they're different arrangements because i I did listen to the score today and i think the score is phenomenal but like it is but um, it's 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 not as repetition as, as the as the apes movies scores are or something like that if i'm comparing you know reeves and, and giacchino yeah but collab. what i'm trying
1: to say with it is that you remember mm-hmm. them because there's so mm-hmm. much repetition yes.
0: and i like that though like i like when a character kind of has a theme in a movie like and i feel like uh, you know i i couldn't tell you what the nolan batman theme is like i know the the zimmer score is great and i know the dun. dun, dun like you know that well also the, yeah, I, the, the I know brum- it the, well, yeah, the bomb comes from that, but like, and I do, I can picture the, or in my head, I can't do it because I'm not musically inclined at all, but like, I know the Dark Knight theme or the, or the Batman Begins one like that Nolan Batman theme. but Or, like,
1: or uh, Bane's uh, kind of uh, the chant, right? The rising yeah, yeah. chant, which is yeah, yeah. Uh, the vocalization. And Hans
0: Zimmer's score is incredible. I think Giacchino here... Um, really created some fantastic themes that are all unique. Like you said, with the Batman theme, which you've heard in the trailers, they've released the jazzy kind of Catwoman um, piece of music. And even the Riddler one, that's a little bit even more bombastic than I was expecting from from that. But yeah, yeah, I'll echo everything that you were saying. And, And I mean, it goes back to what I was saying, like this movie is almost overstuffed, but I feel like is so meticulous in the way that it's plotted out that it does ultimately work um but there i i did feel the length as well and i i i mean that in not a totally negative way because i was enjoying myself all the way through it's just i went who this movie there's a lot in here and i remember keep thinking to that over and over again of being like yeah, there's you got the Riddler is the main villain, but then you introduce Catwoman and how she's involved in this kind of uh, in everything. And then you have James Gordon, who already has a relationship with Batman. Um, and then you got the crime syndicates with Carmine Falcone. And then you're like, OK, and then uh, Oz, Oswald Cobblepot and the Penguin is his second hand man. Then you got the mayoral stuff going on. And then you're like and everything does ultimately come together at the end and i think that's why this movie will benefit from like a second watch because i feel like it was almost overwhelming watching it um to the point where like i i did ultimately like the sum of all of its pieces but like when watching it i was just like kind of like yeah like um at times and and then going back to the comparisons with the nolan movies um we were talking a little bit about this where like if you're comparing begins to this which i think i guess is a fair comparison um i think that this is uh uh, i i'm really intrigued to see that matt reeves if he is going to do a full trilogy which i hope he is um being able to kind of plant the seeds early much like nolan did in his movies and i remember even seeing batman begins for the first time and being like oh that was good um and and not caring that much. And then going back to watch begins after the trilogy was over and liking begins even more. Um I think we both said that we like this probably a little bit more than begins, but like um I again going back it's just uh to the singular moments is like, yeah, there's uh you think the car chase which you've seen in in, in the trailers, I think the last act, there's a really good Batman sequence without saying anything about the last act that um I think is quintessential kind of like batman and i like that he's a little rough around the edges and that he's emo and i think he still does have the gadgets and everything that like it's not as much as you were like saying but i i like the use of them and they felt like something someone would have just like cobbled together and um, yeah there's no Lucius fox in this scenario and he's he is a brutal batman and i like the voiceover and i like how um i love the look of gotham in the movie as well like each each Batman series has its own look for Gotham as well. And I think this was a a good middle ground between the Nolan Gotham, which was just like clearly like Chicago and the Burton. Um, uh not maybe as you know wild as burton's um well burton's gotham, and like,
1: this were both shot in the uk because Batman yeah, 89 was was shot in 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 the uk for the most part so but do you
0: did you see any of that because like i saw in the establishing shots in gotham with the neon and you you got a lot of new york like gotham square garden is clearly madison square garden and things like that and gotham was always very new yorky um yeah. but like i got a lot of like even burton's like the like just the big cathedral style buildings with these like kind of uh bright billboards and and things like that it's more uh, heavy on
1: the set design like it's like burton's stuff has always been like a combination of animation and set design that kind of was a big kind of aspect of it like it does feel like most of like it was shot in the uk but a lot of it does feel like it was shot on sound stages compared to matt reeve's one where like you can see that they were shooting more on location and outdoors Mm -hmm. and you know on and that's probably the vibe
0: of gotham in this movie Yeah, well it's it's very it's
1: more tactile than than previous versions and and yeah like it kind of feels more of again a connective tissue to the story that's being told and i think kind of the detective story works well with the criminal that batman is sort of investigating and tracking down we should talk about that yeah the
0: riddler being but i
1: will say this i did not like paul dano's riddler and paul dano's an interesting guy where i i like him but he has this tendency when he plays this type of character to go over the top in a manner that can be a little bit grating and also obnoxious he he even did this with the one scene that he's in which was one of his first movies which he also played a serial killer spoiler alert for uh taking lives he played the younger version of ethan hawk in the opening sequence of that movie and like he kind of gave away you know who he was playing in that one scene but also kind of stuck out like a sore thumb because he was so just a little bit too intense and and i get that he's playing this unhinged serial killer incel-esque kind of guy but it's just like with a lot of serial killer movies i feel the more over the top they are it kind of takes away from the whole point of what a serial killer is because you look at you know kevin kevin spacey in seven which this is that's obviously a movie it's influenced by or even, you know, not not John Carroll Lynch, but the voice actor who did the Zodiac Killer uh, when he's calling in to talk to Brian Cox on the phone or, you know, you talked about Dexter on on the regular show recently. Um, There's there's a ton of serial killer movies and TV shows where it's like, OK, we got to have these guys at 12 you know and and cuz they've got to be creepy and weird and disturbing and we've got to get that point across in a lot of cases serial killers are boring and unassuming and just kind of plain and those are the ones that are the scariest because they're just like oh you would have never expected this person because they're non-existent and part of the riddler is that he feels like he's just completely invisible But he's so bombastic and over the top that it's like, again, I know it's a Batman movie and not, you know, Henry portrait (laughs) based on a serial killer or something like that. But I look at a movie like The Vanishing, the serial killer in that movie is just this regular guy. And it makes it so unnerving that it's like, like, why is he doing this? He's he seems like just like he's a family man. And he's just right. And like, it's just like Paul Dano's performance is always at 12. Like, it's never. Yeah it's and again there's a lot of understated Mm -hmm. performances in this movie you mentioned you know uh John Turturro who is amazing in this movie who can also be very over the top like he's incredibly you know articulate and 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 um just energetic in something like the cohen brothers miller's crossing where this it's so understated and underplayed uh you know zoe kravitz uh and jeffrey wright are both just giving these performances that are more naturalistic than we've seen i think in other you know interpretations of these characters Yeah. yeah and so with riddler i understand that like okay we're trying to make him a little bit like the Joker as well, where, you know, like this is a madman who's taking over the city and, you know, also inspiring amount of fear and vengeance in the hearts of, of people and, and kind of, you know, pulling what the Batman is doing and kind of making it the more kind of evil version of it. But there's just, yeah, there's just something about that performance and sort of how serial killers are handled in general in, blockbusters and action movies and this kind of realm that rings false a little bit and 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 again i like paul dano i think paul paul dano can be really good in movies like little miss sunshine he's really great in Oakja um which weirdly he's understated in that movie where everybody else is over the top in that film but i look at this i look at prisoners i look at a lot of the stuff where like he's required to kind of go to that pitch of 11 12 yeah. and it just it kind of takes me out of the film and i just that was the thing that kind of graded me the most with it even though i understand why they're doing it and the mechanics of it and again it, it is a comic book adaptation yeah, but also it's... but but saying that I think it I think it's fair to criticize it for that because it's also trying to be a movie that's not just a comic book film. It's trying to play within the film noir style. It's also trying to be a grounded gangster movie. It's doing all these things. So I think it is fair game to look at it that way. The same way that Joker, the the Todd Phillips You know, Joaquin Phoenix film is also trying to be a Martin Scorsese movie and criticize it not just as a comic book movie, but also as a film that's trying to emulate these other movies in the past. What it also does in a very rudimentary way, even though there is a lot of plot, it's not as convoluted as, say, uh, The Big Sleep or Chinatown or even Inherent Vice with its plot. It's pretty easy to follow. It's just there's a lot of it
0: going on. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear you. Uh, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Uh, I'm kind of on the complete opposite side of where you are. Um, I, I loved Paul Dano. I loved how over top, over the top he was. Um, to me, it, it went back to my point of this movie. And one reason why I really dug it is because I felt like it embraced those comic book elements. And like, I get what you're saying about serial killers and things like that. But then I leaned more on it's a comic book movie, and the Riddler is a flamboyant over-the-top character. And yes, they wanted to bring him down a little bit and make him more street level, like we're talking about. His costume is bought at, you know, army surplus stores and like everything he could have found and done himself. Um it's kind of cobbled like together. Still, yes, and I I loved the look of it. Um, I loved. You know how kind of over the top it was at times because that is the Riddler to me. And then that's why one thing why I think this movie is very interesting is because it is a grounded, noir, methodically paced, slow burn um, Batman movie. But then I do really feel like it embraces some of those comic book elements And tries to mash those things together. And maybe it's not gonna work for everyone, but for me, I liked the mashing of those two worlds, like to try to make that hard-nosed detective story, but then still be very comic booky. Like to me, Dano's Riddler like was something I'd see in a Scott Snyder you know, a Riddler story in, in the Batman comics of, of the last 10 years, right? Like where you're trying to be a little bit more adult, you're adding a lot of violence, but the crux of that character always was a dude in a, a bright green suit with a, a question Mark cane and going riddle me this Batman. And like, to me, I think it's really cool to take those flamboyant elements and still have them in this very disturbed, um, character and have it be so like no one no one could put together the ciphers and the fucking jigsaw saw traps he puts together in this movie and like things like that it's all ridiculous but then like i just kind of embrace its goofiness but then like, does it work in this world? And I go, yeah, I think it does work in this world. A dude's dressing up like a bat. He's running around. There's, you know, I, it, it, the way that the final act plays out, I think is like, it's very comic booky and over the top while still trying to maintain that kind of grounded street level feel. And I think that's something that's so difficult to do and ballsy to try to do. And I know like, you know, Nolan's movies, I feel like we you go back and like everyone's like wow it's so grounded but i'm like the two-faced stuff even the bane stuff like there's a lot in there that is also very comic booky and um and over the top and i just feel like this movie just did a really good job with that as well and i i I don't know there's some moments with dano i love the look of the character i like i said i liked each riddle that he put together and like i i just i liked this take on that flamboyant character because ultimately he like you said he wants to be seen and someone who went his whole life you know not being noticed why wouldn't you go to fucking 12 to be like notice me and like that's what i kind of liked about it that each time like whether every phone call and every riddle it was so elaborate and so big and then even in the like as it kind of keeps escalating and escalating like um I think there's a really fucking awesome moment in the, like, and it's very, again, it's derivative of these movies you talked about, of serial killer movies, of noir movies, of like Zodiac, of all the, seven, all this stuff. But like, um, I just think seeing that in a, in a Batman movie was really, really cool. And like, there's a moment with the opening kind of murder from the Riddler. Um, which you've seen in the trailer,
1: this isn't a spoiler either.
0: No, 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 no. You've seen a bit of it. I won't go into details and I won't even say what the shot is that I really liked, but it was just like, it, it's very, it, I don't know. Like I just loved the vibe of the whole movie and it just kicks off in such a way where I'm like, oh fuck, I'm in. This guy looks fucking cool. And like, I just love this take on the Riddler. And like, um, I, I totally see where you're coming from too, Eric. Like I, I, I get that. And I think there will be people on either side of this. Cause like, um, I think some people will go, Oh no, he, uh, Reeves wanted this grounded, you know, thing. And then you add this character that at times is way over the top. And I think he's um, over designed a little bit too. Like,
1: I know you like the look of him, but like, even mm-hmm. to the point of like the heavy breathing, like it's like, Yeah. I loved it. (laughs) Okay. I loved it. This signature signature of a character who breathes heavy and has, you know, a a voice modulator and, you know, does the saw, you know, the John Kramer kind of thing. Like- I, I get it. You're you're wanting to do something different compared to the Frank Gorshon uh uh Riddler or Jim, Jim Carrey's Riddler yeah. or John Aston who is also classic on Classic
0: Riddler from the comics. And I like
1: okay. Frank Gorshon's Riddler and John Aston's Riddler from uh the the oh, Batman yeah, TV sure. series. And and I understand what you're where you're saying, you know, it's this guy who's literally giving riddles, but it just it's like Again, it almost does feel like Matt Reeves is trying to have his cake and eat it too, where it's like, you know, I want to make this serious, down to earth, realistic, grown up movie. And yeah, it is based on a comic book, but I can take that and show you that these movies can also be for grown ups, but I'm still going to have this character who is literally designed by the last like sort of breath of his life and kind of feels almost too wacky even for the comic books and like he like like I look at again I look at someone like John Turturro I could take him out of this movie and I could put him in Donnie Brasco or I could put him in but any... that's not what I
0: wanted about no 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 no. no, no, no. I know way.
1: that I know that but you can take that character and put him in another film sure you take this Riddler, you can't put him anywhere else other than a jigsaw movie, and but and that's I think, why I But I feel him is... like, but I feel like the movie itself is thinking that this is like the most authentic and cool and creepy version of a character, and it's so yeah. unsettling and it's so scary. And by the time you get to the end of the film, you're just—I was so annoyed with him. I was just like, oh, I, so I, I like he's I, I so. Know. I love the. Escalation. He's so predictable. He's so. Like I was almost like Brad Pitt in seven when like he's berating Spacey in the back sure. of the car. It's like you're just a fucking caricature. And the and, and it's not just this movie though. I shouldn't say that. Like yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. it's it's the way that serial killers are usually portrayed in these kinds of Absolutely, films. Where it's just like and I
0: don't disagree with you. I'm just okay with it in a Batman movie.
1: No, and 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 I get it, but the Batman movie that it's in is also trying to be something that is geared towards grown-ups. And it's like on one hand, one hand, it's like, okay, be this mature, you know, movie that wants to kind of be made for, you know, people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, and and like, you know, even sort of, you know, bring over or convert the skepticals, but then you have the paul dano stuff and then you have colin farrell imitating robert de niro in, and he's in also over the top and an over well. the top but there are also caricatures like that that you could you know criticize and be like okay well you know like what makes him any more different to say like joe pesci's character and goodfellas sure. and there are, and there are people that are like that but it's this this weird kind of stereotype of like you know Eric
0: just has to stick up for all those serial killers. They're not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm properly. just saying it's just so lame. <laughs> I'm how I'm kidding. I,
1: again, I'm coming from a point of view of my father was a forensics investigator,
0: and sure, a
1: lot of these people that do these horrible things are are people that you like.
0: Even the I way they do it's them, just, it's, I get that. It's
1: it's done. It's done in a way where it's like it's it. It almost to me feels like it's weirdly like but people also don't dress
0: it. up like a bat that's no i know, I, like, know I, I know i so know that. that. that's why i'm but, like but i when, don't care
1: but when it's do, but when it is trying to be like okay like this is a story about where i don't know, i that's government where I kind of systematic corruption sure which is about like institutional racism that stuff and stuff is
0: real, but you can talk yes. about that in a comic book. Movie.
1: And we'll talk about that more in the spoiler, but when it's having that in there and it's like, okay, well like this movie is going to mean something. It's going to be, it's going to be about what's you know going on right now in the world. It's going to be a
0: social commentary and reflect sure. those things. And then on top of that, and then it's you like, think it undercuts it when the guy's so over the top, I get what yeah. you're saying. I get what you're saying. And I'm not saying you're wrong. It's I disagree with you, but like right. I, I, um, I, and I, I just, don't dislike I the
1: movie either. I like I know you don't the
0: the detective so I don't stuff, end on that and either, I like
1: yeah. you know Greg Frazier's cinematography. And 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 I enjoy I will say the about film. the
0: cinematography, there's nothing like in the last. Again, I keep going back to the Apes movies, like you know the shot in in Dawn on the tank spinning around, or like the one shot of Jason Clark running through the thing. Like I never felt like that. It's gorgeous throughout. Like I think it's just consistently very very solid, but. I think going back to those wow moments or those giddy moments that you get either in the Nolan movies or I got in his his apes movies I never had one of those moments even though it's consistently very beautiful does right. that make sense
1: or even even the 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 one sort of um, car sequence in let me in like again I'm going to go back to the serial killer thing for a second I look at someone like Richard Jenkins in that movie and how he's yeah. written very similar even the way that he kind of creates a makeshift costume yeah. he's doing it out of partly necessity but again like it kind of feels like Matt Reeves knows what he's doing and I wish that he kind of applied that to that or maybe it's just Dano I don't I don't know because Dano can be so like even in something like prisoners he can be so grating at times and I find like when when directors ask him to kind of like go to that extra level
0: it's just too much and when he goes double dano
1: yeah and and again you know some characters it's appropriate for and sure you expect it of but when when it is trying to kind of be taken seriously as a movie and not just a comic book adaptation or a superhero Mm -hmm. movie which it wants to be both i think it has to be open to those criticisms and and i think that it has like Again, there's a lot here to like. There's a lot here to kind of uh, dissect when it comes to the making of the film, when it comes to the look, when it comes to the writing, the performances and everything. But I think there are things in this, the Batman that aren't, as great as i was hoping they would be and maybe it's an expectation thing and and i think it's with that with with the apes films because there was very low expectations sure. with those ape movies Again, after Tim apples, apples yeah yeah it's more like um bananas and plantains or something like that sure. you know like the yeah. savory versus sweet um but i think going into the planet of the apes movies after that Tim Burton remake, there was nobody that was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm really jonesing really for this. I really need
0: more of this. Yeah. And
1: <laughs> then Rise was such a surprise, which was directed by uh, Rupert Wyatt. And then when Reeves came in, it was kind of like, oh, that was, you know, that one movie was a pleasant surprise. I don't know if I need another one, but hey, I mean, Matt Reeves is kind of coming on and he. And you then know, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so with this, you're going into it thinking, oh, it's Matt Reeves directing, yeah. you know, a Batman Absolute. movie.
0: And I think that absolutely plays a part of it. And then that's why I'm excited to kind of revisit this movie in a week when we go see it again. Because like, you know, these are our initial impressions. And I I was saying this, um, you know, uh, to you earlier where it's like hype builds. And no matter if you're a film critic or you're just a fan or anyone, like hype gets behind things. Like we love movies more than anyone. So we are going to be excited for a movie. And that's going to come into play when you see a movie. And I feel like. That affects your opinion sometimes, even if you want to objectively look at a movie of the good or bad. um, That's not usually how I review a movie. It's I, I like to go from the subjective thing. And if you agree, if you go, oh, I agree with Matt a lot. That's how you know, that's why I want people to listen to us. But like, I really feel like hype does play apart into these movies and i am very excited i always find myself especially at tiff and big movies like this like i love seeing it a second time with tempered expectations you know exactly what's going to happen in the movie so you can kind of just like the second time just let it wash over you and like and just pick out different things or analyze scenes or characters that at the first time it was just so overwhelming or you're so excited for what's going to come. And like that, you just, when you don't know what to expect, it kind of plays a huge part into it. So like, I'm very excited to rewatch this, especially because what we said, it's a detective story. It is a puzzle box. Like I want to go back to the beginning and like, you know, when everything you know, and see it from the very beginning and see the seeds being planted and what the Riddler's ultimate plan was. And like, uh, I'm very excited to watch it again. And like, um, so quickly before we wrap up, I don't know what else we need to touch on. Like the action I think is exciting. I just think it comes in very quick bursts and like, uh, the choreography is really cool. Like the Bat- this version of Batman is very brutal. And, um, I like that he's not just like perfect, but he is obviously very skilled and like, he'll just walk in, brazenly into like a nightclub and just try to beat the fuck out of everyone which i think is really uh really cool and there's so many moments where you know instead of sneaking through the shadows batman just walks up and he's like i want to talk to the penguin and you're like okay yeah and like i like seeing the iceberg lounge and like the world building i think is so so cool and um i think that's why having so many villains in the movie um you know with penguin playing you know uh, you know, a, a smaller role and, and Catwoman playing an integral role, but, um, and then having Falcone play an integral role, but like, these are all individual kind of Batman villains, but, um, you know, we said it's at times feels a bit overstuffed, but like, I feel like, like I said, it, it kind of comes together in a, in a, in a really nice way. And I think Robert Pattinson, like, we didn't talk a lot about, you know, like him as Batman, but I think, um, you know, when he was cast, I think a lot of people who don't, you know, watch some of his indie stuff after Twilight. We're like, Oh, the Twilight guy is playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. Um, but I think he does, he's got a great chin for it. Um, I like his bat voice. Like I think this brooding version of Bruce Wayne and Batman, even though each one is, is brooding in its own way, but like, um, his Bruce Wayne is really interesting. And we really only get one sequence when he is Bruce Wayne in public. Um, other times, it's just him, like, after he's in from a night of, you know, fighting crime or trying to solve this mystery that he's just, like, broken and just analyzing things. And, like, and, and I just you don't get a lot of bruce wayne in the movie because it is very much a batman detective story first but i'm excited moving forward to see how reeves knowing what he did with those two apes movies and like the world building and advancing caesar's story and just it coming full circle like and the place that he leaves this movie and i think is really interesting and like um and we'll get more into that in the spoiler talk but um, I think there's a lot there. There's a lot to like. I, I totally understand where you're coming from on the Riddler standpoint. Um, although I I really liked it. Um, but I'm not even like, again, I, the movie's not without its faults. Like, again, I think that at times there is a lot in there. It is, you do feel the length a bit. Um, I think for some people who are looking for like, you know, an action blockbuster, you know, start of the summer kind of movie, it's not necessarily that. Um, But I think if you're like a a hardcore Batman fan and you like the detective comics, which is where Batman, you know, debuted, um, I think you're really going to vibe with this. And I think you won't be disappointed. And like it goes back to I think there's valuable stuff in each version of Batman. Um, Well, even the
1: Schumacher movies, like I think with those films, they're they're boring to bad. But yeah, I, I think it's just interesting to see how far they went in kind of a more direction. <laughs> commercial kid-friendly version after Batman Returns was so subversive to what audiences were expecting the franchise to be and also how it was kind of dictated by merchandise at that time because, you know, they were selling, you know, McDonald's toys and action figures and things like that and, you know, you can't have, you know, a dirty-looking penguin in a onesie bleeding out black goo you know to children and so they're like okay well we need to kind of completely revamp the tone of it and you know those two movies batman forever and batman and robin nearly killed the superhero franchise completely and and so like that's even just interesting to see like okay well this that is truly like the lowest mark where batman movies can go Um, for the most part and, and, and it even tarnished everybody's like, even someone like Joel Schumacher, who, you know, has, has since passed away. I always looked at him as the guy who ruined Batman for the longest time as a kid. And then you go back and watch. The Lost Boys, or Falling Down with Michael Douglas, or even with, director, with with yeah. with with uh, uh, Tigerland with Colin Farrell, which was his yeah. big breakout movie, and think like, oh no, he did do some good work that also influenced a lot of other people in some way or another. It's just that like he, you know, he was he was just a studio guy, you know, and and you know for for one thing or another, it, it just it didn't work out, even though he liked batman and he actually apologizes on the audio commentaries for batman forever and batman and robin for ruining the character Um, uh
0: you know what they were kids movies they were cartoons no no and he knows that but he still apologizes
1: and it's i get that but 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 yeah like so it's it's just fascinating to see a character that's had what like 80 years of (laughs) of but but also i i think maybe part of it as well even though we haven't had a solo bat movie in 10 years I think I would like this movie more if there was a little bit more time between because we you know, still had all the Affleck Snyder stuff. Yeah, there. As much as I love the character to death, um, I think that there is a little bit of burnout. And the other thing that I have been kind of more aware of, oh, and, and the '90s series as well, the cartoon series, I think is great. Um, yeah. But the thing that I am also starting to become more conscientious of when I'm when I'm watching Batman movies is the mental health factor of the character and how that is one integral but also there is something about that that i think we can discuss on the spoiler uh episode a little bit more um in terms of our conversation there but the way that batman suffers with mental illness and also is kind of giving into his psychosis in a way that a lot of other people can't and joker clumsily tried to kind of get at that even though yeah i think it failed um but this does that a little bit and i think it doesn't really kind of dive deep enough either but batman's always been a character where it's like again like you have a guy who is able to sustain this lifestyle this world he's created not the fancy aspect of it, but like the truly like going out at night and beating people up mm-hmm. because he has the finances and he's being enabled by the one person in his life that's closest to him. And, and he's still someone who is truly suffering and not everybody can has the access and ability to do whatever they want or get whatever sure. they want or, or or what have you. So there there is a weirdness there, I think, that that I've become more... a a little bit it's just again with with mental health and wellness kind of being something that's becoming less and less of a stigma in this day and age absolutely yeah it is a weird juxtaposition in a lot
0: of ways yeah and it's such a huge part of the character right yeah and then like i don't know if anyone's tackled it in a great way it's just like that the character kind of gets a pass to kind of avoid all that stuff because that's just always how the character has been right yeah and I think sometimes they try to tackle that in, in different ways. and I maybe this trilogy will. Um, I, I don't know if we got a ton of that here, but yeah, we can talk about that in the in the spoiler cast. but um, ultimately, I think it is, again, I go back to it, like each Batman version I think is is interesting or valid in its own ways. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. I can't wait to see it again. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of uh, out of five. I'm gonna give it a four out of five and I think the
1: other thing that we need to talk about a little bit in the spoiler review and and I'll just mention it here is how this movie also uses social media and and has an online presence throughout the entire movie obviously with the Riddler but how that modernization with the kind of classic, undescript New York-esque looking city that is Gotham is kind of used. And I think that like the social media aspect of it is an important element um throughout this film. And also it's just interesting to see how again, a modern movie is using it in a way that kind of feels like, okay, I would be fascinated to look back at this movie in ten years from now and see how it it's holds dated. Up because yeah.
0: Of it? Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting when you bring in modern elements like that, that are very much of that time. Uh, I mean, each bat, like, again, because a lot of
1: because a lot of the Batman movies before this, like, like, you look at Batman 89. Yeah. Michael Keaton has a perm haircut, but it, it, it does feel timeless with maybe the exception of the prince, you know soundtrack which is great i love it but like that does feel like oh it's from the 80s and then even with the nolan movies you know they have more tech and gadgets and stuff like that but the tech and gadgets do kind of feel are kind
0: of you know, almost Batman bond gadgets. like they're bond yes, like exactly, right? which means like it's not something I actually use, which means it can be timeless because it was this thing created for this guy, right? Yeah, where it's like Iron Man in the first Iron Man when he uses the fucking Blackberry or whatever, you're like, Oh, no, one yeah, uses yeah, anymore. exactly. And and with um, this, like I could see like
1: certain things that are used throughout the, the film, or whatever. um, in the Batman kind of being dated in in. And maybe a few years time just in terms of um, of technology, but also how the technology is used and how it's also kind of playing into certain um, politics of what's going on in the last, especially in the U.S. in the last 10 years or so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, if you want more, uh, you guys can check out our spoiler cast of the Batman, where there's a lot to tackle that I know we did an hour, but there's a lot to tackle that we haven't even Talked about a lot of stuff in the final act. Um, certain things that I I just don't even want to say here, but like, um, you guys should really check that out when you see the movie. If you're listening to this beforehand, or if you've already seen the movie and you're listening to this first, go over there, check out our spoiler cast. Eric and I will probably talk for another hour or more about the Batman. Um, thank you all for listening or watching. I hope you guys enjoyed us. Let us know what you guys thought of the Batman. Um, you guys can tweet at us uh, at Untitled Underscore Movies, but the easiest spot, one-stop shop, just go over to Letterboxd Untitled Underscore Movies. Um, we have other stuff that we would love for you guys to check out, too. You guys can check out our review for Turning Red, the new Pixar movie, if you want a little can CanCon. Um, a little? Yeah. A lot of CanCon, probably the biggest CanCon we've probably ever gotten, at least in a mainstream. This CanCon
1: kind of... will cover Pixar for the next like yeah, 10 years. I know, yeah,
0: I know. They never have to put another Canadian thing in anything. Uh, so go check out our review of Turning Red as well as our review for No Exit. Uh, and we have a bunch of other stuff. Just search for Untitled Movie Podcast and Untitled Movie Reviews on YouTube or podcast services uh as always i am the matt man and you can follow me on all social medias at matt Roarbeck and watch my stuff around the internet and on family feud canada coming up and yada, yada yada oh and you were also on screencast recently yeah thank you for bringing that up eric i was on the most recent episode of the kind of funny screencast where we talk about uh kind of what we've been watching this year in 2022 so we talk about uh murderville the after party pam and tommy uh yellow jackets uh i bring up uh last one laughing canada now, some more can con um a lot of CanCon actually we talked about so uh go check that out over on the kind of funny youtube channel or on podcast services just search for kind of funny screencast thank you eric
1: and I am the March Might. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at em6211. Until next time. Goodbye. I'm Batman.